but then I realized, no, nah, it's all Jesus. <laughs> Camp was just a really amazing experience, and Pastor Tim really did a lot of work in me, and I'm sure a lot of other people, too. And I'm so thankful I got the opportunity to go to camp and just have God baptize me in the Holy Spirit and really just use me and speak to me in ways that I never could have imagined. Thank you. Um, hi, I'm Maria. This is my first year at camp, and I absolutely loved it. I started at this church a little over a year ago, and I have built so many new and improved relationships. God put... Too loud? Okay, sorry. Slow down. Oh, so I get nervous and I talk like really fast. Sorry, guys. Okay. Um, <laughs> should I start over? Okay. Hi, Maria. This is my first year at camp and I absolutely loved it. I started at this church a little over a year and I have built so many new and improved relationships. God, first of all, and then friends and my amazing church leaders, Tabby and Braden. They have been there for me so much this past year or so for mental and emotional support. Timothy McCain was our incredible pastor this trip. He talked mainly about stress and depression, and I ended up buying one of his books called Use Your Gab, which I have enjoyed so much in my experience of reading it so far. His wife um, was also there, and he, she shared um, a touching story about her childhood that brought me to tears. Worship team was great. The feeling of being able to freely just like to talk to God and worship him was incredible and relieving. I got baptized for the first time, and I'm so happy I get to set. <laughs> I get to set a new journey and path with God, and I'm glad to be assured he will always be there with me no matter what. I love spending time uh, talking and hanging out with friends and meeting new ones. I am a huge planner, and I'm already planning what to wear next year to camp. I guess that shows how great an experience I had and the excitement to get back to Camp Machindo and Elevate. Thank you. Hi, my name's Abby. Um, this was my second year going to camp, and um, sorry, give me a second. Um, the theme for camp was influencer, and that like really spoke to me because for me, I always like um, instead of influencing people with the world, influence them in Christ. And I felt like that really spoke over me because everywhere you see on social media, you just see people, um, like, trying to look the best. And they, like, try to base their life on someone else's. And I feel like everyone should base their life off of what God wants them to do. Um, some of my favorite camp activities were, um, like, those inflatables, like, on top of the lake, like, where you can, like, jump off. That was really fun. Um, hanging with my awesome group of people was amazing, and I love basketball, so every time I had the opportunity to shoot a hoop, I would be at the basketball court shooting basketball. Um, I struggled with a lot of anxiety and a little bit of depression over the past few years. Um, anxiety was a big one for me because... Um, I always got nervous, like, during those big tests because I would always, like, overthink things because I always thought there had to be a right answer. Um, 
and I struggled with trying to look like someone I'm not and put on a face for others, and which caused me to bottle up all my unhealthy habits on the inside. And camp helped me realize that I don't need the newest iPhone or the coolest pair of shoes to be myself. And this is one of my favorite quotes. I don't know who, by, by who, or something, I don't know. Um, Stop trying to fit in when you were born to stand out. And, like, middle school has, like, always been hard because you always want to try and be one of those popular girls or people because you're afraid that they're just going to judge you. And I feel like that whoever feels like that, that they should just stand out instead of trying to fit in with the crowd. Um, after six years, I decided to redevelop my life to God and get baptized. Um, it felt like a fresh start for me. And, um, I want to thank Tabby, Brayden, and Matt, um, for letting me go to camp this year. Um, and it was a great experience. Thank you. Thank you. It is overwhelming. I'm, you're going to have to bring me down a lot. I have more voice. Um, it is overwhelming to get up here and share, um, you know, and so for these uh, young people to come and share uh, their experiences, uh, even the rapid fire, you know, um, you know, they're, they're sharing from how God um, encountered them, you know, God, God met them at a place where they needed uh, to experience God. And one of the things that I think we forget about is God is so uh, personable that he meets us at a place uh, that we need. Um, You know, that's, that is one of the things that I love about a relationship with God. I I remember when I uh, came to Christ at 16, um, he encountered me in a in a way that uh, you know I was hard I was uh, broken in many ways I was bound in a lot of addiction and there were all these things that were going on and yet in the midst of it God had this gentle way of getting in and um, just sharing his love for me and uh, I'll tell you what it was it was an overwhelming experience at 16, and yet through it all, I, that's what brought me to this place that I am today. It was that encounter at 16 that changed my world. And, and we don't realize the moments that um, Christ will uh, come into a place of relationship with us, because he's always desired that. That's, his, that's been his desire from the beginning, is to have relationship with us. You know, it's, it's, he's not in this place where he just wants to have all these worshipers everywhere. He wants relationship with us. And that's what these young people are experiencing is that God coming into their life in a place where they understand him, that he wants relationship with them. And so um, one of the things that I remembered most about camp is the calls to ministry that people received. Um, people being called into the pastorate, into missions work. Uh, it, is, 
it is one of the things that stands out most to me that there was these uh, nights where they would uh, have people, young people just come forward and share that they, if they felt that they had a call to ministry. Um, and for me, I, I, had, I got saved in May um, at, uh, when I was 16, and I went to my, my, the first, you know, youth camp I'd ever gone to that year. And in the midst of that call uh, or that service, I knew somehow, I mean, because I barely understood how to understand my parents or any other adult at that point, let's be honest. And yet, in that moment at 16, I knew God was calling me to be a pastor. Um, and I didn't know how that was going to happen. Uh, and yet, God communicated to my heart that that was a calling that he had on my heart, and, and he did an amazing thing. Um, so, and I say that for this, because we have some missionary guests with us, and uh, they're good, uh, dear friends of my wife and I. Um, they've been here many times. Many of you have, have communicated with them through the years or part of their prayer ministry. Um, they are back uh, in the States from Africa uh, for a period of time, and uh, it is just always a delight to be able to have Chris and Jen with us. And so I'm just going to invite Chris and Jen to come and, and share with us. Um, Whatever's on their heart, you know, so you guys uh, just feel released to share, and we're excited to have you. Thank, thank you, Belbro Community Church, for welcoming us back. Um, I remember about eight years ago now, we were preparing to leave for Africa, and uh, you all welcomed us, and we shared our testimonies, and you guys prayed over us. And uh, I'm just here to say this morning that the fears and the anxieties, um, they, they do go away. Uh, they do change. Sometimes they come back a little bit different, but God has been faithful over the last eight years. And we've been about seven and a half years in Africa now, and God has been faithful. God has uh, led us literally by the hand and helped us and opened a road for us into Africa to share Christ and to see miracles and to see him uh, faithfully serve. But if you guys don't remember, we are Chris and Jen Bartlett, and there are prayer cards in the back. And, um, uh, oh, yeah, Valeria and Fred's children. Um, and uh, we just appreciate so much uh, your love for Valeria and Fred as well because they um, – they do send us out, <laughs> and we, we miss them greatly, and so uh, that is one way that you can pray for us, um, but I'll let Jen share just a little bit, and then I'll share one story of God's faithfulness. Um, thank you for having us this morning, and just uh, what an opportunity it is to share with what God is doing in our lives. Not everybody gets an opportunity to do that, um, like you guys have done this morning. What a blessing it is to do that in a to be able to just share your heart with people, and um, we're thankful for that. But we have been in Niger for seven years. Um, I always cry at your church, oh. even if I, there's nothing to cry about. Um, but um, the Lord has just been allowing us to meet Muslims and to share Jesus with them. Uh, basically, where we lived before, we lived in a village. We would just go into the village and um, meet people and build relationships, and we would look for persons of peace, and we would share with them our story, and they would share with us their story, and we were able to build several relationships that way, um, and, and some people came to the Lord, 
some people said they came to the Lord and then turned back, but we were just grateful that people have heard. And now there are people praying for that part of the world that nobody has ever even heard of before. Um, so we were able to do that for a while, but with security uh, situations in West Africa, we have had to move back to the capital city um, and also just for some needs for our family, for community, because we were the only missionary serving where we were before. Now we are in the capital city of Niamey, um, serving with other missionaries, and we are not really allowed to go out of the city anymore because of security reasons. And so the Lord has just really changed our ministry in, uh, in many ways to just support our African partners and really just empower them to go and do what they honestly do way better than we do. And so we have been able to partner with several pastors and really just encourage their family and support them and just helping their kids go to school and just really blessing them. And so they are now going to the villages that we used to work in and discipling people and seeing more people come to the Lord and just doing an amazing job. So we're grateful that we get to be a part of that in a different way than we were before. So that's a little bit of what we do, um, but we just want to thank you guys. And I just want to speak to the, to the youth if I can, if I'm not going to cry about it, um, and just say, you know what? I, Chris and I, are the, we're the same like you guys were. We went to camp every year, and the Lord worked on our hearts early on and really transformed our minds little by little. And you have to keep letting him do that. Um, it doesn't just happen one time. Um, and if he continues to do that in your life, he will use you like, like you said. <laughs> um, because we're all just uh, vessels of the Lord. Um, but he needs to work on us, obviously, over time. And he so graciously did that, as Pastor Vincio already uh, shared. He doesn't just do it in one way um, for all people. He does it in special ways where he continues to transform you in your mind. Or he can use you um, in a way that, honestly, you're like, okay, that's not me, but the Lord knows. And so I just want to encourage you guys to keep um, searching and um, seeking him daily and and not letting yourself get sucked into this world. Thank you. So uh, there's a theme this morning of anxiety and depression. And um, all of us have those. All of us have days that do not go the way we hope, the way we think. We have questions. Am I worth it? Am I able? Am I uh, going to be able to do anything for Jesus? And um, the answer is that Jesus is able to hold us. He's able to keep us. He's able to put us on the, ro on the rock, on the foundation. And uh, I think God really does have a sense of humor because when you, when you send a bunch of white folk over to Africa, they don't have a stinking clue what they're doing. So I'll be the first to admit to you guys that we have made a lot of mistakes in seven or eight years. And um, let's just face it, we're going to make mistakes, guys, following Jesus. We're going to make cultural blunders. We're going to mess up the language. We're going to do all kinds of things that people are like, why did you just do that, you know? And, and uh, we're learning in a lot of ways. We're still very much so learning the culture and language after eight years. But on the hard days, when you're discouraged, God gives you little glimpses of light. And so let me share a little glimpse of light with you guys. Uh, I personally got to disciple about 12 different guys. And um, uh, about six of them were 
teenagers, and about six of them were midlife, 30s, 20, 20s, and 30s. And um, it always amazed me, like, what God was doing, because sometimes some guys are like, yeah, amen, brother, I'm with you, I'm down with you. And then all of a sudden you realize that that guy was just feeding me a line, you know, feeding me something. I'm like, man, that did not go well at all. And then there's Abdul Razak. So Abdul Razak in Arabic, it means the Lord's servant. And so I'm like, man, I like your name, brother. You got a cool name, but he's the shy kid. He's a young, 15, 16 years old. He's, he's 21 now, but when I met him, he was 16. Just shy, just looking for work. He would come into the yard, and he would rake, rake our yard and clean up. And uh, just kind of listened, just kind of always sat there and listened. And um, his brother-in-law was the one that was like, yeah, amen, brother, Jesus, Jesus. And uh, a few years later, his brother-in-law ended up going back to the mosque and, and following Islam again. But Razak, he just kind of stayed steady. He just kind of stayed steady the whole time. And... Um, when Razak was a young man in his village, they had a Catholic church. And he said that he would wander into the courtyard because he thought that the murals on the wall, those colored things, were just so cool looking. Sometimes the angels and their halos and like the yellow, the big yellow beams of light coming off their heads. He's like, Dad, these things just look so cool in here. And he got home one day after wandering into the Catholic cathedral and his dad just beat him. He said, you, you've shamed the family. You can't be walking into that compound. That's not for us. That's not for us Muslims. And so Razak always scratched his head and was like, why did my dad just beat me for going for a walk, you know? And it was because it was a Christian place for his dad. But then he got a little bit older, and they put him in the little um, scripture memory, uh, the Quranic memory school. It's called Makaranta in Arabic, and they memorized the Quran. And one day, Razak messed up. It, just, so, just a side note, if you ever put your kids in Awana and they get beat up for forgetting the memory verse, you should probably pull them out of that Awanas. But anyway, Razak forgot his Quranic verse, and the Muslim teacher stood up, took off his belt, and beat that kid. And Razak never forgot that day that he walked into the Catholic Church, got beat, and he forgot his uh, Quranic verse, and he got beat. About five years later, this white boy from New Jersey moved to Africa and met Razak, and I shared the gospel with Razak, and he became a believer in Jesus. And uh, keep praying for Razak. He just graduated from high school, and he's headed off to university now. So I just want to encourage you guys. Thank you for praying for us. Thank you for lifting us up before the Lord. And God is doing a great work in Africa through the young believers. Before you guys sit down, um, I know that we don't get them here all that often, but are there any questions that some of you might have for them about the uh, ministry there in Africa or anything? What percentage of the population is Muslim? Over 97%. Mm -hmm. There's 0.5% evangelical Christian, and those are the people that we're trying to partner with and encourage to go and do what they've been called to do. 
Sorry, you want it? No, I can share that. Okay. Um, I'm going to talk because <laughs> uh, I'm not crying. <laughs> um, so for the most part, overall, our people, our Muslim people group, are very uh, peaceful, and we have never felt threatened um, physically. Um, they will, you know, slander us and say, well, we don't agree with your message or anything like that, but they have never been aggressive towards us. So overall, our country, Niger, is very peaceful, and the people are just very poor. So basically, they're just struggling every day to just feed their families and find jobs. And so they are very open to talking, but they are not hostile toward us. The hostility is coming from around us, different countries that have the extremist Muslim groups. Those are the ones that are trying to take control of cities in West Africa for their purposes, not, not our people group. A lot of times, those guys that are radical, it's more political, not always religious. So, did you have a question, sir? Um, the biggest cultural difference. Um, I'd probably say education. Education changes and transforms culture. And there's just not very much access to education in Africa, especially in, in a, um, a rural um, uh, agricultural society. Um, a lot of times you just send your kids out to the fields like hey let's let's look for food today let's get the crops going and so education is not available and it's also not valued uh, it's not just a high priority like it would be here in our our society so education how you view education pretty much dictates a lot where your culture will go from there Uh, we have a high school graduation rate, about 5% of the population will graduate high school. Fred? Yes, ma'am. Our kids have learned um, how to adjust, and they have, I think, learned a life skill that is not easy to learn. Um, when we were in the village, they did pretty well. We homeschooled, um, and they learned that they should be thankful for basic things like water and <laughs> air conditioning, um, and I think that it has definitely affected their character in positive ways, um, but it's been hard, too, especially for my older two who have remembered more of America. My younger two, we say, are more African than American. They truly embrace the African culture, their view of time, <laughs> and their food. So it's interesting to see um, how they've adjusted. But now that we're in the city, we are with uh, in an international school with many other missionaries and aid organizations, and they have really uh, developed some wonderful relationships and I think really are doing well overall. So thanks for asking. Our youngest is Eden, yeah. She was nine months old, <laughs> so... Yeah, she does not like American food. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, a typical day for an African woman, I will speak to, um, because the women are the ones that run the household. The men are really are not even really allowed to help them because it looks bad on them. So if Chris was helping me or was holding the kids, they would just be like, oh, his wife is controlling him. He doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> so uh, for the women, they wake up early to start breakfast. They cook on an open fire. Even in the city where we live, most people cook outside. They live outside because it's too hot to be inside your house most of the year. If they do have a house, it's a one-room apartment for most people, and it's usually in a big courtyard with other renters renting little houses all together. So they all live in a very communal way, and they are in charge of feeding the kids, doing the laundry by hand, going to the market and trying to find food for very, with very little money. Most of them are second or third or maybe even a fourth wife of a man because uh, a man is allowed to have up to four wives in the Islam culture. And so every week he is supposed to give each wife a certain amount of money to go buy food for their kids and to clothe them and to educate them. And so this is the reason why most of the time just it's not enough to do that properly and it's not enough to educate them. And so they value having many children, but then most of the children are not able to be provided for. So that is a typical day of a mom in Niger. Um, and so it's very much like, I will help you if you will help me. And so the, the culture in general, there's just a, an, an idea of, I need people because they're gonna need me. And it's all very much just a, um, what's that word? Where we, we do things because of need. Um, and so, as a side note, I feel like, um, and this is something that we already know as Christians, when they see like real love that is not attached to like a string, they really don't even know what it is a lot of times. So, when, uh, when, when they see the love of Jesus, it's very foreign to them. It's a free gift, unearned, undeserved that's when the light starts to break in and they say i want what you have and so just pray that the gospel would continue to infiltrate this in a lot of ways dark place um, islam is dark and also just the local african tradition where they worship their ancestors is equally dark and it's it's mixed together in that part of the world and so uh, thank you guys so much for your questions appreciate you guys so much it's always a breath of fresh air to come back and to see what god is doing in your midst i see a lot of new faces and uh just praise the lord for you all can i just share this story that fred said i'm sorry okay so fred Fred just, we were talking this morning even and just sharing with him that when I was living in the village, I lived in the village, but I had a house and like a refrigerator and a generator because people always ask me, did you live in a hut? No, I did not. Um, I could not do that. Other people can. Um, but 
we, um, we were in the village, and I was trying to explain to one of my friends that I have a washing machine that washes my clothes. And she was like, what are you talking about? Like, a person, like, sitting there, like, doing your clothes? I'm like, no, there's a machine that, like, spins them around with soap, and it, like, washes them for you. She was like, you're crazy. Like, there's nothing like that. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Like, how does that work? Because in the village, it really is, like, what you think of. Like, village, like, no electricity, no running water, anything like that. So then she started coming to my house for discipleship. Um, and I would tell her stories, and she'd bring her kid who would completely ransack my whole house the whole time. <laughs> and she would walk into my house, and first of all, I showed her my machine, and she was still like, that's not going to wash your clothes. I'm like, it does. <laughs> and then um, she would walk into my house, and I had a couch, and she would just like ride, walk up to my couch and just lay on my couch the whole time she was at my house. And I, at first, I was like, this is kind of a little bit rude. You know, I invited you to my house, and we're going to talk and hang out. And then I realized that she's never sat on a couch before. She's never even seen a couch, you know. And for her, it was like the most comfortable thing she's ever sat on. So every couple weeks when she would come, she would lay on my couch, and I knew she was coming. And I'd roll up my rug because her kid would be eating biscuits and, like, ruining my whole rug the whole time. And she wouldn't get up. She wouldn't do anything. She would just sit there on the couch and I was just like, Lord, thank you for letting me see that in a different way. You know, even my kids would be like, Mom, she's so rude. I'm like, she's never been on a couch before. And um, I have a video of her on the couch, and I'm so grateful because I don't get to see her very often anymore. Um, and that's just a glimpse of, like, how their life is. They never have sat on a couch before, and she was blessed by that. So thank you guys for listening to us. Our son Isaiah is almost 15, so when you guys spoke, I just thought of him because he um, is in that stage of life, just hearing the Lord and letting him change him. And then we have a 12-year-old daughter, 10-year-old, and an 8-year-old daughter. They're all downstairs right now. So, yeah, I think you guys have met most of our kids before. Average. Yeah, about $600 a year, so $50 a month. It's, it's average, yeah. Yeah, when we lived in the village, that was the reason why I would send Chris to the city six hours away is if I ran out of butter or cream, um, but kind of a joke. But now that we live in the city, we can get it pretty much all the time, and it's a little bit dangerous. So, <laughs> yeah. So the men um, deal uh, livestock. Cattle, goats, chickens. Talk about. Yeah, um, but subsistence farming and livestock animals is basically their main profession. So uh, a lot of trading, a lot of bartering, a lot of. Uh, hey, I had a, a bad year with my rice fields. Hey, let's let's swap out some sacks of rice, and then next year I'll get you back kind of a deal, uh, rural farming and uh, subsistence agriculture. Um, but there are more, you know, there's more jobs coming into the cities now. Africa is developing slowly, but it, it is. Um, I was just talking to a guy that got back from Romania last night, and he said Romania is changing and roads and highways, all this stuff, but it, 
from Europe, a lot of aid is coming into Africa now, and it's changing. It's changing Africa. So um, you can be praying for these poor countries as they as they develop. Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah, I have been to, yeah, my wife and I have both been to South Africa, and um, uh, South Africa is mineral rich. They have, uh, I believe, gold and diamonds and oil, um, Nigeria, South Africa, and I believe Kenya are the three richest African countries. Um, Africa is a rich place, you wouldn't think that, but a lot of the people who get a hold of the resources tend to hold on to it and not, not let it trickle down to the people. So, um, yeah, Niger is coming. It's slowly coming. Yes, ma'am. Uh, rice, yeah. And then we also have a lot of millet. Uh, millet can grow in clay and sandy soil, and we ha we're on the edge of the desert there. So millet is very hardy. It can go 14 days with no rain. So, yeah. The hot seasons. Yeah, so we have four seasons, just like you all. We have hot season, we have hot, hot season, we have hot, hot, hot season, and then we do have a cool season. Kind of like Miami, Florida. So a lot like Miami, so... It rains just during the cool season, those, those three. Well, the, we do have some rain in hot season, too, but uh, mainly three months of the year is when they plant their crops, and they hope that the rains come consistently. More often than not, there'll be a drought in the middle of that, and the crops will die, or there'll be a major flood like we had the last couple weeks, and the soil is sandy, and so it just washes away. So we deal with uh, uh, hunger relief and fam famine relief uh, as part of our ministry. So um, uh, when it gets real, real, real hot, there's like one month. It would be in the 110s, 110, 115, rarely. But usually it's right around 100 degrees every every afternoon. Every afternoon, about 100. But it's a real dry heat, real dry. So it helps. Yes, sir. I'll speak for my wife and I, and I'll just say this. The biggest thing we had to overcome was that um, God can actually use us in this place with so many issues and so many problems and so many language and cultural issues that sometimes you're just like, am I just spinning my wheels every day? Am I getting anything done at all? And just... The, the biggest hurdle was just trusting that God is able to use this situation for his glory and for his kingdom. Because some days you're, you're questioning yourself, can I really do this? Can we make it here? 
the heat. <laughs> the heat was one of the biggest things, and just allowing yourself to learn the language and the culture, because it takes years, and uh, you want to just jump right in and think you know what you're doing and think you know you can speak, and we don't, and so it takes a while, and so that's another, I think, one of our biggest things was just giving ourselves time to just learn and not feel like we had to get something done, and, uh, and that was really good that the Lord showed us that, and we were like, okay, you know what? We're here to learn. We're here to, to get to know people, not necessarily to do stuff. Yes. <laughs> so my husband is wearing an African shirt, and he would often wear pants that matched it. That's what they wear there. And especially when we lived in the village, Chris and I both, if we left the house, we would have full African outfit on. And I did not wear one today because I'm stubborn, I guess. Um, so mine would be a similar African print top and bottom with skirts to the, to the floor, basically. And I would have my head covered. I would not wear the African or the Muslim hijab because they know that I am not Muslim and I don't want to allow them to think that. Um, but I would have my head covered because it's a cultural, African cultural thing to cover your head as a woman. And so I would often have that. And that's huge. Like if we don't have, if we don't do that, if we would just go out in our American clothes, we would not really even be accepted by anybody. So it's very inappropriate for me to wear pants there um, and for my daughters to wear pants um, and for my husband to wear shorts. And so we really had to change how we thought of all that. And so we kind of accepted it and it was hard and it's really hot, but that's what we had to do. And people were grateful for it, yeah. Yes. <laughs> They do pretty good. <laughs> we, they like all the African print. You know, it's very bright and colorful, and so we just get stuff made. My son won't really wear much anymore, but he wears pants and long pants, and they do okay. You know, they'd rather wear their American shorts, and we let them do that at home, but not when we visit people. We want to thank you guys so much for taking this time. Hey, before you sit down, can we pray for you all? All righty. Go ahead and come up here. And if those of you would like to come and just say a word of prayer over them, we're just going to invite you to come. Young or old, anybody that would like to come. All righty. Let us pray. Gracious God, we are so thankful for Chris and Jen and for their heart for um, Africa. Lord, um, for people, um, for being willing to set aside their lives to touch um, these that need so much to hear the love of Jesus, more than here to see someone live it out every day. Father, for eight years of service to this, um, this country, and uh, Father, we know that they're not done, that they're going back, um, but we just thank you for their commitment to you and their willingness to do what you've set before them. We pray a blessing over them that you would continue to provide for them, protect them health-wise. You know all the things that have been going on, and uh, we just pray uh, just a hedge of protection around them, a blessing. Father, we thank you for this. We ask for this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, guys. We love you guys so much.
All righty. Appreciate your uh, questions there for Chris and Jen, and uh, please do get some prayer cards out there and continue to lift them up in prayer. Um, I know talking with them, you know, they're going back for a few more years, um, and, uh, you know, that time frame, none of us ever know a lock-in on that, you know. They can have an estimate. It's like, yeah, we'd like to see this, um, but they also understand that there's, you know, they walk by faith in this whole thing, and they're, they're trusting God to lead along the way, and so we're, we're thankful for the opportunity to, to have their input into um, our services, and so if you have other questions, um, you know, talk to them after service, but it's just so good to have them here today. All right, if we could have our ushers come, we're going to wait upon you for uh, morning tithes and offering. I promise I will bring a message next week, you know. I could keep going, you know. It's only quarter to 12. Just kidding. Our kids' church may say, well, maybe not. So, all right. Let us pray. Father, thank you. We pray your blessing on this offering. We thank you for your, uh, your continued provision, all the things that you're doing. We pray your blessing on these things in your name. Amen. Uh, some of you, as you came in, you, I'm, hopefully all of you noticed we got our, uh, the ramp out here done uh, this last week. So they uh, came in Monday and milled it and uh, put new asphalt down and then uh, striped it later the week. Uh, uh, once we have a, a long enough period of dry weather, they're going to actually uh, seal coat and do the whole parking lot. But uh, they have to have so many days that they can estimate no rain to do the seal coating. So... Um, and I know the questions are coming. We are working on the sign. We just didn't take it out to go incognito here. So we are working on getting our new sign installed, and uh, we have someone we are working with. Um, hopefully, we're going to move forward on that. Otherwise, we're going to jump in, and we're going to go a different route. Um, but we had a, a commitment, and we're still working on that. Um, so, uh, you know, it's just we want to do it right um, and so we thought we were going to get it installed that next week. We took the old sign out, and that didn't happen. Uh, have you ever had a problem, something that you planned out that didn't go as anticipated? I'm not putting in the old sign again. It w it's motivation to get that new sign done, right? We have the sign. We just have to get the installation done. So um, Meredith has something come I don't know what you're saying. Uh, the women are meeting next week, right? Yes, the first Sunday um, in August. We will be meeting um, normal time, 4 to 6, down in the Fellowship Hall. Just bring appetizers. Bring whatever you want. We're just kind of, we don't have really have an exact thing, so just bring whatever food sounds good to you that day. We'll meet down there. I also wanted to just throw this out there. Sorry, this is... Um, worship team, we've had some people leave, you know, we lost Gabriel, Linda, Paul, um, a few other people have moved on, and so we are in need of singers, musicians, computer sound, wherever you feel, you know, if you want to be in the background, computer sound people, you know, wherever. So if you feel led at all to do any of that, just come to me, talk to me, um, that's something that we could always use, so. Thank you very much. 
Um, this coming Saturday, starting at what time? Two? Till? Five? Ten? Two to ten? Wow. This couple over here, um, they got married uh, a couple months ago, and uh, we are having a reception for them in Tip City um, at Braden's family's house. So um, they've been sending out invites on Facebook and through uh, text messages. If you've not gotten any of those um, and you'd like to have more information, see Tabitha today because that's uh, you can come anytime in that time period. Um, there are going to be all kinds of games to play. There's going to be food. It's going to be an amazing time. We just invite you all to come out and celebrate with Braden and Tabitha, and uh, it's going to be wonderful. So um, you guys have anything else? Braden, you, I know you probably want to share. No, I'm just kidding. I know <laughs> his mom heard him last week. She came out and heard him share, and she's like, man, I heard you're speaking in church now, and all he says, I didn't even know you could talk like that. So he did such a fantastic job. God's got good, big things in store for him. So, all right, I think that's it. Love on one another.